0: title of the message this morning is How to Travel First Class. As you list the world's religions, you think of Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, many, many, many cults. Of course, the first on my list is Christianity. It's in all of its different forms and denominations. In Christianity, it's the only... Religion, if you want to even call it a religion, it's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. He's the only one that came back from the dead. It, it's one of the, one of the big reasons I believe in him. He's the only one that really had any power to defeat death or to sin and darkness in life, actually. There's one other very unique factor in the Christian gospel which rises far above all the other faiths. It's this single truth the life and founder of our faith inhabits the personality personality of every person who believes and trusts in Him for salvation. Every child of God has the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, living within us. He's active and He's alive daily in our lives, and that's not found in any other faith. They're all ideologies Christianity is the only one that the founder is alive and well in the hearts of his followers. Romans 8 9 says, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of this. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Therefore, every believer, no matter how weak and feeble, how poor and helpless, perhaps even with a sense of utter inability and frustration, whatever their personal feeling may be, They are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He has come into our lives so we might develop character. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 is character fruit. It's the reproduction of Jesus Christ in our lives. The main function of the Holy Spirit in us is to come in to make us and mold us more and more like Christ. This fruit should be evident daily in every follower of Christ on this planet. As we live this life, as we do life with each other as believers, these are the things that we should see coming out of each other. Here's the list of the fruit in Galatians 5.22. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that should be coming out of our lives daily. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As you look around those people that you live with and that you're setting with, do you see that coming out of their lives on a daily basis? I think, to be honest, some of us ought to maybe hang our heads in shame as we ask ourselves this question. Why is it, so, is it that so little of Jesus is produced in me and so much of myself remains? The answer to that question Paul is trying to answer for the Corinthians in chapter uh, 2 in 1 Corinthians 211 six, no one can know what anyone else is really thinking except that person alone. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own Spirit. And God has actually given us His Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you this, we do not use words of human wisdom. We speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't Christians can't understand these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds like fool it sounds foolish to them because only those who have the spirit can understand what the spirit means. We who have the spirit understand these things but others can't understand us at all. How could they? For who can know what the Lord is thinking? Who can give him counsel? But we can understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. And then he goes into chapter 3 and verse 1 saying, "Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to mature Christians. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world. There again is that word that we, we talked about last week. It's in the Greek, sarkikos, it means carnal. or you, Or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you couldn't handle anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your own sinful desires. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with one another. Each other Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your own desires? You're acting like people who don't belong to the Lord. When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I prefer Apollos, aren't you acting like those who are not Christians? Who is Apollos and who is Paul that we should be the cause of such quarrels? Why, we're only servants. Through us, God caused you to believe. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. My job was to plant the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God, not we, who made it it grow. Have you ever flown first class on a plane? <clears throat> it is a totally amazing experience if you've never done it. I got to do it a couple of times, a few times in the Marine Corps. When TWA was, was flying, if you, had a, if you had a uniform on, if the first class wasn't full, they'd put you up there. And my goodness, it is amazing. I got to fly once back from Haiti first class uh, Fran and I got we had to spend another night because a, uh, air, one of the Haitian airlines had messed up and we couldn't get a flight back to port but anyhow uh, they as luck would have it I know there's no such thing as luck but I got per- first class and Fran had to ride in coach and while he was eating half a tuna sandwich and munching on pretzels I was eating cordon bleu that tell you that tells you the difference there's a huge oh my goodness it it, 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 was just, it was just amazing. Most, most airlines offer three classes uh, on flights, especially international flights. There's first, there's business, and then there's coach. When we got back from Israel, uh, out of curiosity, uh, we flew coach, and I checked on Turkish Airlines to see the difference. The price of the coach ticket was 800 and the price of first class was 3350 I thought that was – first class is the best way to travel if you can afford it. I imagine most of the people in first class are probably marathon employees or who's your Energy. I don't, I don't know. But I didn't see a lot of preachers sitting up there. No offense, Greg, but uh, it, it is, it's, just, it's like a difference between night and day. And that's the point that Paul was trying to make to the Corinthians, though it would have not made any sense. It makes sense to us today. God has called you and I to fly first class in life, but too many of us are in coach. Paul talked about three classes of people in life. So if you break life up, every breathing, living human being falls in one of these three classes. First class, uh, well, he mentions, he mentions two classes within the context of the Christian church, but then he mentions the natural man, which is lost. So there's lost people, there's carnal Christians, and there's spiritual Christians. Here in 1 Corinthians 3, 1, Paul introduces Two different kinds of Christian life. Our brethren could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes unto Christ. If you notice the word brethren, he, he's writing to those born of the Spirit. He's directing his thoughts and these words to those within the context of the Christian church. So here's two classes of people, both born into the, the kingdom, both uh, having the Spirit of God within them, but one of is designated carnal. And the other spiritual. Last week, we talked about carnal. That the Greek word sarkikos means worldly and fleshly, and we fight the world, the flesh, and the devil, and that flesh part of us is, is, is the carnal part. In verse 14, Paul mentions the third class of people, the natural man, those that aren't followers of Christ who are lost. Oh, I believe we are surrounded by many on a daily basis. Because he is natural this makes absolutely no sense. Whether it's read, whether they hear it, whether they hear somebody preach on TV, they are dead to this to a degree because they're natural. It it sounds like foolishness to them. That's why we hear a lot in in this world in which today that they defame the Bible and Christ. They just just don't understand Him. They don't understand it, actually. The tragedy is, as Paul was trying to say to the Corinthians, as he says to us today, there are far too many believers that react often on the level of the natural man instead of the spiritual man. Maybe you've heard people say, or maybe you've said it, you know, so-and-so said this and made me mad. So it was just natural that I strike back. It was just natural that I be filled with anger. That's exactly right. That would be the natural way to handle it. That's the way the natural man handles things. Unfortunately, there are those born of the Spirit of God who, in terms of a daily life, reactions are still living in the natural realm, even though within every child of God is that possibility. That if we allow Him, the Holy Spirit can take us and make and mold us into the image of Christ as we mirror His reflection to the world. But a lot of times we don't take advantage of that possibility, and it's not accomplished because too often we live on the carnal level with natural thoughts instead of spiritual thoughts. Here's the problem with that, and I can say this today because I've lived that. I've been carnal, and on occasion, as we talk about a lot, there's that tendency when when we want to go back and, and jump in those mud holes and we want to get dirty again that's t- that 's the tendency that we have that we have to with the power of the Holy Spirit, be able to overcome that and get muddy less and less, but nonetheless, the carnal worry believer lives a life of perpetual conflict and defeat, and praise God that many of us come to church during that period of our life, but it it 's Sometimes it's not that enjoyable. and We leave just as the way we came in and we're not changed. And we go back out and live in life like we are. And we live miserable lives because the Holy Spirit continues to beat on our hearts door. As C.S. Lewis called the Holy Spirit the hound of heaven, he doesn't, he doesn't let you go. He, he comes after us because he loves us. And he's trying with all of his might to conform us into the image of Christ. And we're having none of it. Paul told the Corinthians, you're always fighting and being jealous of each other. There's more problems in the church than out. Spirit-filled believers don't live like that. Spirit-filled believers forgive easily. They love each other, and they move on, and they have compassion. In Romans 7, we talked about that last week a little bit, about the fight that is within us, the battle between the two natures, the one spiritual and the other carnal, which is worldly. And Paul even admitted to himself, I was born in Christ. I'm a child of God, but I'm unhappy. I'm miserable. And then he goes on to say, to see how you can get out of that state of misery, he said, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Jesus Christ, my Lord. He is the one that I go to to get to that point, actually. The carnal Christian has an occasional spiritual victory, but the majority of his life in sin and failure. Although the Holy Spirit is living within, he is mastered and bullied by that old nature. Does that describe your life this morning? In your life and walk with Christ, do you have perpetual conflict and repeated defeat? Not a lot of joy and adventure in your walk with Christ. It's my premise that if we live as spiritual people, that we will see most days, not every day as it should, but most days as this this spiritual adventure that God has laid out for you. That if we are in tune on this day, He has windows of opportunity and divine appointments set up for you in your worlds. Where you work, where you live, doesn't matter. At school doesn't matter. If we are in tune with him, he will have. And to see that as this great adventure that God is sending you out into the world to be salt and light to people that desperately need it. That is the attitude that we, we need to have. But if you don't have that, if you don't ever have it, you're not traveling first class on Kingdom Airlines. Another mark of Cornell, Carnal worldly believers, is... He or she is still an infant whose growth is retarded and stunted. Paul points the finger and says, you guys are babies. You're still on the breast. You still have to take a bottle. You're still on formula. Babies are great. Some of you have babies that's in your world now. I heard you laugh, actually. They are great. But if they don't grow you realize something very long is very long with a child you see a baby is 10 or 11 years old still wearing diapers and sucking a bottle you know there's something not wrong with this this picture babies cry when they're hungry and their pants need changed they have to be cared for 24/7 they can't be left alone they're utterly dependent on others they can't walk you have to carry them around You have to feed them. They can't feed themselves. You have to change their dirty diapers because they begin to stink. And they're only happy when they're a center of attention. And so it is with carnal believers. The carnal believer is always leaning on other people, always seeking this preacher and that leader for spiritual counter. He cannot walk by himself. They always have to be propped up. They always have to be encouraged. And you get them going a little while, and you think, man, they finally made it. And then before long, they're down again because they were dependent on some human instead of Christ, and they let them down. They can't feed themselves either. Their pastors are a kind of spiritual milk bottle that feeds them on Sunday, but that's all they got. That's all they get. It's the only spiritual food they get. They have not learned to take the Word of God and during the week feed themselves, so they are star starving, and they don't grow. They like to be the center of, of attention, like I said, and they're touchy, and they get mad really quick. And if I've not heard it a thousand times or more in my so-called 40 years of ministry, and as my pastor's here this morning, a lot more than that, well, you know, pastor, we just weren't being fed. So they go to another church, and a few months go by, pastor, pastor. We're just not being fed. So they go to another church. It's a continuous process. And they're never going to find a place that they're going to be fed spiritually till you come to that day when, when you and God make that deal that you're going to study and be able to feed yourself spiritually, and then you start to grow. Third mark of a carnal worldly believers, they spend the majority of their time and talent and treasures on themselves. And on the things of the world. And church is not that important. They don't make the effort to discover their spiritual gifts. They never do ministry within the context of the church or even outside. They hardly ever read their Bibles. And they hardly ever pray unless calamity or crisis hits. And they only come to church if they feel like it. You cannot live on feelings, they are neither here nor there, they are neutral. Here's the point. The carnal Christian is a child of God, born again and on their way to heaven, but they are a traveling coach instead of first class. Hey, the 40 years I've been in ministry, I, I have run into a lot of people that are in the body of Christ, but they don't live spiritual lives in that sense. The Holy Spirit was in them. He can be in you your whole life, but you can grieve, you can quench, and you are powerless to do anything through the Holy Spirit because you choose to live on the carnal level instead of on the spiritual. There's a huge difference. What's traveling first class look like in God's kingdom? Chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians 15 and 16 explains, We who have the Spirit understand these things, but others can't understand us at all. How could they? For who can know what the Lord is thinking? Who can give Him counsel? But we can understand these things, for we have the mind... Of Christ. Those traveling first class have the mind of Christ, and it makes all the difference in the world because they are in a constant battle with the enemy of our soul, Satan, whose kingdom is darkness. When we live for Christ and we travel first class, we become the focal points of the attacks of the devil. We never have a moment's release from the heat of the battle. But the difference is, in the heat of that battle, regardless of what Satan is doing to you or how much or how heavy the attack is, the spiritual Christian knows a deep and absolute peace in his heart. Philippians 4, 7 says, the peace of God which passes all understanding. And throughout the constant temptation and battle, he is trusting and resting in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not that the spiritual man does not commit sin, but he doesn't practice the habit of sin. that he, it, It's not that he doesn't slip, but he always has the possibility for him not to slip. He is sometimes very conscious of failure, but the trend of his life is not downward, but it's a continual upward. And the habit of his life is victory and not defeat. The spiritual Christian can say with Paul, Romans eight thirty seven: in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Second Corinthians two fourteen: thanks be to God unto which which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Another mark of the spiritual follower of Christ traveling first class is a life of progressing growth, where Christ is visibly present in their everyday life. People that work with them, people that live with them, through their actions, through their speech, they know they belong to Jesus. it's, It's evident. It's not something that you'd have to tell people. They could see it. And others see the fruit of the Spirit coming out of them not the workings of the old nature, which is the flesh. And the follower of Christ, who is spiritual, reaction to life's troubles and heartaches and crisis, all glorify the Lord Jesus. You and I have things that happen to us, or will happen, that you'll never get over. It's impossible. It's too deep. It has broken our hearts too much. But we learn to live with them, and we do that through the power of of Christ, because we know that God is in charge and all things works to the good of those that love Him. And in the midst of testing, the spiritual person is at total peace in his heart. It's not that we don't get angry sometimes, and it's not that we don't get heartbroken, but the fact we don't stay there. I have had people tell me, and I've witnessed that they are mad at God. You know what? It's okay to be mad at God. It's okay to go out and scream at him, do it in your house or whatever, and shake your fist because you're venting and you're getting it out of your system. The problem comes is when you stay mad. I know people that have stayed mad. My opinion, it's a dangerous place to be because as the Holy Spirit continues to knock, you know what, God, I I don't want anything more to do with you. It's a very dangerous place to be, as far as I'm concerned. I think the scripture alludes to that as well. But nonetheless, if God's our best friend, we can get mad and vent and get over it and ask for forgiveness of whatever comes out of us, and then we move on. But here's the question if you are a believer this morning and traveling on Kingdom Airlines toward heaven, in which class are you traveling? It's just for you. This question's for nobody else but you. Doesn't matter who's sitting by you, who's in front, or who's behind. You have to answer that question in your own mind and heart at this point. I hope we're all in first class with all of its benefits, because coach has less benefits and less legroom. And in coach, there's a lot more conflict and defeat. You can't stretch out, and you can't grow. You have retarded growth, and coaches always fill with screaming babies wanting their own needs met immediately. I remember a trip that Terry and Colleen, and we went to Ukraine, and I didn't get the seat that I wanted because I wasn't going to set first class uh, anyhow, but I was with this poor little boy about Probably eight or ten years old. I had Jimmy legs. <laughs> he would go to sleep and kick, kick me. I bet I hate to say how many. I felt sorry for the little guy. But who, all, who has had the the pleasure of flying on an international flight that had screaming babies on it? You, you just—it's something you never forget. <laughs> because you—they're unhappy, and you're going to be unhappy as well. And man, you feel bad for them babies and. You want to say, can you put a sock in that kid's mouth? But that's abuse. But uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It's just, this is the way the kingdom is. This, we're talking about the church here. We're talking about coach in, in the church that there's always a screaming baby, not literally. And the flight attendants, you, they just can't keep up. There's too many of them. How can a follower of Christ move from coach to first class I want you to understand how serious this is. This is a crisis of your faith. It's a crisis of your faith, almost, but not the same, a little less perhaps, is when on that day the Holy Spirit come come beating on your heart's door and as my pastor led me to Christ and he wanted to know if I knew Christ or if I'd die, I'd go to heaven, and I didn't know that, but it's what was happening. (laughs) <laughs> it, was, it was the Holy Spirit knocking on my heart's door, and if you're a believer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is a time in your heart where you, you have this crisis of faith, and you, you, you finally decided to move on. When you passed out from condemnation into no condemnation, you passed from guilt to forgiveness you passed when you came to be a believer out of alienation from God and adoption into his child. You started this process as his child. So God looked at you different. But in this first place, in this crisis of faith that I'm talking about, when you finally decide to upgrade from coach to first class, it's a crisis of cleansing. First John 1, 7 and 9 says, If we walk in the light... And he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, keeps on cleansing us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The trouble with the carnal Christian that he is unclean. God demands that we face things that we are allowing to come into our lives, the muddy things. We, we, we have to deal with that. We have to get it wiped off, and the blood of Christ cleanses that. But we, we have to confess that. You realize the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, John 14, 17. When we continue to be phony and act like something that we're really not, the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit is the spirit of faith, 2 Corinthians four thirteen. The Christian who is not trusting in God to deliver him from the root principle of sin goes on being a carnal Christian. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace, Hebrews 10, 29. Do not allow bitterness in your life. And if you're harboring bitterness toward another believer, you need to get rid of that. Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness, Romans 1, 4. Do you allow your life, life, things into your life that is unholy? Paul said, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That you are the church. Church is not this building. We say it is. It's only the church when Christ's body is here. The Spirit of God was translated out of, out of the temple, and it was, it was placed in humans. We are the church. We are the temple. And we have to really pay close attention to what's going on in God's house, which is who He lives in us. Holy Spirit is the Spirit of glory, 1 Peter 4.14 And that's the whole point of him in our lives, checking us all day to see if there is sin in our life that we're not paying any attention to that we need to deal with. And maybe the first, maybe God's been talking to you about these things this morning. First thing we do is confess for cleansing. The next condition of moving into first class is surrender, the surrender of your body. Paul said, Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Surrender says, I present my body. Faith says, Christ now lives in me. Surrender says, Lord, wilt thou have, what will you have me do? And faith says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And it's entirely up to us. You know, I, I always liken coming to Christ as Jesus pulls up to this yeah. dock. And he's in the water in this boat, and we take that... F- the step off and we step off in the boat and maybe we go to the back and sit down and boat moves off to go pick up others and after a while you see these people rolling and God wants us to help Jesus wants to help with us rowing that boat he just just want to sit in the back of the boat and that's the way it is on airplanes first class is up front coaches in the back so as I said before, it, it comes exactly down to you and God. We, you, you, you can't hide behind anybody. It, it's, it's Him talking to you this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us. I've tried being the Holy Spirit, and it didn't work out so good. He is the one. So I want you to check this video out. Really listen closely to the words.
1: The Holy Spirit never enters a man, then lets him live like the world. You can be sure of that. As Christians, we should display evidence in our lives that the Holy Spirit is working in us. You may say, wait a second, isn't that just legalism? I think Paul would say, by no means. Christianity isn't something that you do, it's something that you are. Leonard Ravenhill illustrated this best when he said Jesus didn't come into the world to make bad men good. He came to make dead men live. You see, when we're saved, if we are saved, we become new creatures in Christ. Something happens inside of us. We're changed. We're new. We go from dead men to living men. As a new creature, we take on a new nature. The sinful things that we once found pleasurable are no longer desirable. In fact, we feel remorse for them. This fact alone is one of the strongest pieces of evidence that lets me know that the Holy Spirit is working in my life. Simply because I have a new nature doesn't mean that I'm now perfect or have everything together. I still fall into the old habit of sin. What makes all the difference is my attitude for those times that I do fall back into habitual sin. The real danger is when you don't feel anything about your sin. The role of the Holy Spirit is to convict men of sin. And if we don't feel anything, I think that's when we should be worried most. So if the Holy Spirit is in us, there's no way we could continue living just like the world. It's just not in our nature. The beauty of Christ is that He has grace for sinners like you and me
0: said that there are three classes of people and everyone in this room we all fall in one of those classes, as of every other human on the face of this earth. He says our lost children that are all wandering around, I think, trying to find their way back to God. I do believe that God put his thumbprint DNA in all of us, even primitive tribes, you'll find they worship something. They have this great need to worship. And then Paul mentioned the church, which we know is not perfect. It's a long way from it because it's full of us. <laughs> but he mentioned two classes in there. He, he mentioned carnal believers that have given their lives to Christ, and because the blood of Christ has cleansed them, we are saved by, by faith, not works. And then James goes, and oh, I'm going get in, not going to get into that. But the fact is, a lot of people never make that next step. They come into the kingdom, and they go to the back of the boat and set, and that's it. They're in the boat, but they're not doing anything. And their lives are a lot more miserable because the spray is getting up on them in life. It's the same as that whole analogy between coach and first class. Then he mentioned first class Christians, those that are spiritual. Those are the ones that sometimes we want to emulate because we see God working in their life, and we wonder why He's not working in ours. And that's the, that's the difference, because they're in first class, and, and some of us are in coach. But as I've always said, people that I love with all my heart, I, I want us all to be in first class. And I pray that we're all working that way, or getting closer to the front, so to speak. But as we pause here, as we sing, I, I, as I say every Sunday, I just want you to leave free. I don't want you to leave with any burden or conviction in your heart, but you and Christ are just like this. And you live your life that way during the week. And if you're lost this morning, you know that. I don't have to remind you the Holy Spirit does that. And we would be more than welcome to show you um, how to come to Jesus. And I always say pray. If you need to pray, you can pray in your seat. But if you want somebody to pray with you, uh, please, please come down. Lord, I love you. I thank you again for loving us and for continue to work in our lives. And Lord, more than anything else, you want us to, to become more and more mature in you. Because we know how miserable it is. I can tell you that how it is by trying to live in both worlds. You want us to live in your world, and that's what you do. And Holy Spirit, you have come to help us to do that. So just help us to be obedient this morning as we... I'll sing these this last song, Lord. We we just we just ask these things in your precious name. Amen.